Good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you this morning. I'll be today concluding our sermon series that we've entitled Pursuit as we've been journeying and exploring what it looks like to have this lifelong journey with God. I'm reading from Hebrews chapter 3, um, verse 1, and then again from 6 to 14. This is what it says. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Christ is faithful as the son, of God, son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which in which we glory. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you as a sinful, has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. You know, as we continue to live through this um, crazy pandemic, we, we're still in the thick of it, right? We've We've gone through a major lockdown. We've um, dealt with the, the, the kids and parents. You've dealt with kids doing remote learning. We've had this increased awareness of racial injustices in our society. And now we are living through this polarized political landscape that has many of us stressed out and anxious during this election cycle. It's a lot. We've been through a lot. We've been through a lot. It's been a difficult season, and, season, and there's no mincing word, words about that. And in the months ahead, we have no idea what things would look like. We have no idea what the election would look like if we're going to go through another lockdown. But I want to offer a word of encouragement as we as a church endeavor to pursue God through discipleship. I want to encourage us to hold on to the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Not because it might get easier, because we don't know how things will turn out. We pray it does get easier. But we hope in Christ because we belong to God because we are his creation, we are his property, we are his house. And he is invested in us through Christ Jesus. 
So we have the assurance that he's on our side, that he cares deeply about us. And he wants us to share in his joy and grace that he's gifted us. You know, one of the things that even entering this season and even preaching to a camera is I never realized that I would be a YouTube influencer. I never, this is not what I was, this is not what I prayed for. This is not what I want. I don't want to talk to a camera. You know, I wish we could be together and be the community that God has called us to be. And many of you, whatever, wherever you find yourself at, maybe your job is going well. One thing I know is that we are all experiencing this sort of collective dark night, that we are in this together. And I think this text provides us um, a path forward as we continue to live through this season. So there are three things I would want us to, to think about and to hold on to. Is one, that we consider Christ, that we fix our attention on Christ, and two, that our hearts are not hardened, and three, that we continue to persevere in faith together. So one, let's consider Christ. You know, the author charges and uh, challenges his hearers to fix their thoughts on Jesus. Right, he says this, that you, if, if he is the apostle and the high, the high priest, then of course he is deserving of our focus and our attention. You know, the designation of Christ as, as an apostle might seem interesting to us. It's different, right? It's usually what the, his disciples were called. But here we see he is called the apostle and the high priest. Some commentators say that this really is a confessional statement of the church at that time. That is an expression of a central belief, a, a core conviction for the church. Just like we say Jesus is Lord or Jesus is the Son of God, Christ is the apostle and the high priest was a core conviction of the church at that time. But it's interesting because as he's, what, 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 what they're trying to say, if Christ is the apostle, it means that he is God's divine repre, uh, representative to us. God's divine ambassador to us. And as the, as the high priest, he is the embodied, the human ambassador, our human ambassador to God. All in all, what the author is signaling to us is that Christ is the one and true mediator. And he is deserving of our attention and consideration. He is not some popular guru with some brilliant insights that we can, you know, take on to help us or make us feel better. No, he's more than that. He is the one who remained faithful to the task as God's divine ambassador and as our high priest. But in order for us to consider Christ, in order for us to, to, to pay attention to him, is really to devote 
our lives to him. It's really to have a life that is surrendered towards him. Often, um, I know this is the case for me, um, faith in Jesus could be an addendum to everything else that I do. It is just part of everything I do. It is not all that I do. It's just part of what I do. And what the author is trying to say is consider him as your everything. That in everything we do, we do unto him in worship and in service to him. This is why Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, writes this. He said, whatever you do, whether, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord giving thanks to him. He also says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. That means in your work, in your jobs, that you bring your very best, that you do not cheat on your hours, on your time, on your productivity, that you bring your best because you are uh, essentially doing that unto the Lord. In your relationships that you treat others with dignity and respect. That everything we do, we do unto Christ. And how we treat our kids, our family members, our friends, we are doing that all unto Christ. All of our lives is in worship to Christ. In the book, The Practice of the Presence of the Lord, uh, Brother, Brother Lawrence says this, he says, the most, most holy practice, the nearest to daily life, and the most essential for the spiritual life is the practice of the presence of God. That is to find joy in his divine company and to make it a habit of life, speaking humbly, conversing lovingly with him at all times, every moment, without rule or restriction, above all at times of this temptation, distress, dryness, revulsion, and even of faithlessness and sin. As we consider Christ, we are practicing the presence of God. That in all the things we do in our daily lives, that we are doing it unto God. So we pay attention to Christ. This means that all that we do, we do it informed by his ways, by his words. All that we do, we do it unto him. Two, we don't allow our hearts to be hardened. Do not harden your hearts. You know, one of the things that I recognize, especially during this time, as we navigate the season and wade through the, this collective dark night, is that it is incredibly easy to become cynical, to become cold, to become callous towards God. Because in a season, in a time like this, we might be asking ourselves, where is God? Where is God? 
He doesn't seem close. He doesn't seem near. So we might find ourselves getting calloused. Where is God in all of this? And I think in our text today, the author has much to say about this because he was writing to a small group of Jewish Christians who just had endured lots of insults and persecution. They had their property confiscated and suffered alongside those who were mistreated and imprisoned. So having gone through these hardships, having endured this painful persecution, of course, the question is, where is God in all of this? Of course, it's easy for for heart, to the human heart to get calloused. It's easy to turn back to what I used to do before I was a Christian. The reality is that's what trying times can often do. Trying times can often test our faith in God. That's why the warning by the author is so striking and piercing, because it speaks directly to their condition and to our condition as well. In verse 3, he says this, As the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. During the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. Now, what, 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 what the author of, the, of, of this text is doing is, this is a flashback. You know, flashback serves to remind us of what we already know or to give us context for the present reality. So think of a movie, and it cuts to black and white, and it's a flashback to the past. That's what the author is doing. He's trying to remind them of this. It's a flashback to the time when the Israelites were rescued from Egypt by the personal hand of God who protected and provided for them. This same people who experienced God's love and God's uh, 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 deliverance, this same people who saw God at work in their lives, rebelled and turned their backs, backs against him. And as a result, they never got to experience all that God had promised them. Because while they were in the wilderness, they were tested by the hardships of the wilderness. And they rebelled because their hearts had gotten cold and calloused. So the author warns this Jewish, Jewish Christians and says, this same tragic story of the Israelites' rebellion against God could be repeated again. The same story is also bound to be repeated through us if we let our hearts grow cold and callous towards God and even towards others. This really is the insidious nature of of, callousness, right? The the longer we let this simmer, the more likely we are to drift away from God. 
the more likely we are to drift away from, from his truth. And we don't want that. And we must take action against that to make sure that our hearts remain warm towards God, to make sure that our hearts are in tune with God. So then how can we do this? Well, I think we have to persevere in faith together. We persevere in faith together and not try to be caught up by the winds of despair. As a result of our trying time, we persevere in faith together. And one of the things we do in order for us to persevere is to have that self-reflective work is to take an intentional examination of our hearts. In verse 12, the author says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Meaning, we get to examine ourselves, our hearts, and action and light of God's truth. Right? You know, we all know it's good practice to go to the doctor's doctor every year for our annual checkups. We know it's good practice to go to the dentist for our checkups because we want to make sure we're healthy, our cholesterol is okay, our blood work is okay. We want to make sure we're healthy. But we also have to take care of our spiritual housing by consistently examining our hearts. That's why I love what the psalmist says in, one, uh, in Psalm chapter 139. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And that's me. <laughs> See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way, uh, um, in the way everlasting. Friends, the way we can examine our hearts is really to allow the great physician to allow God to examine our hearts and to find and create those times uh, and spaces of solitude with him, alone with him. Allow the Lord to do the checkups we need. Taking the time to meditate scripture, to be silent before God, is vital for our growth. It's vital for our mental health. Being alone with God and reflecting and pausing to listen and to pray. You know, many of us are increasingly addicted to the constant external stimulation that prevents us from doing the, the, the kind of healthy introspection and reflection that really would expose the dark corners of our heart. I know for me, oftentimes, it's easy for me to be unaware of my actions and an autopilot react in anger because of something Caitlin said, my wife said to me. And I react in anger instead of pausing because often I'm not introspective or reflecting 
uh, reflective of what's going on in my heart. They might be, uh, I, I might react in anger because of something she said at the moment, but really I'm angry about something that happened two days ago. And I have not done the work that needed to be done to identify whatever that problem was. But now I've allowed that to fester and simmer. And it's allowed me to react in a way that I should not have reacted. Maybe that's how you are. Maybe that's how it's been for you in in your relationships, in your marriage. And we're allowing things to fester because we have not done the introspective work. Um, Ruth Haley Barton, in her book, um, The Soul, I I don't even remember the name of the book, but um, something, The Soul of, (laughs) yes, I'm going to continue. Uh, This is what she says, quoting um, a, a different author. This is what they say. The dark side is actually a natural result of human development. It is the inner urges, compulsions, and dysfunctions that drive Christians but often go unexamined or remain unknown to us until we experience an emotional explosion of some other significant problem. At times, the dark side seems to leap on us unexpectedly, but in reality, it has slowly crept up on us. It has been a lifetime in the making. And often when we have not, again, we've, when we don't have that rhythm and life with God to, to help us identify those, those dark things in us, those, the, the anger that is breeding in us, the sadness and insecurities and all that junk that has been breeding in us. And we just leak all the time. And in some cases, yeah, you, you might require seeing a therapist or a counselor, and that's okay. That's in order to help us to, to, to be reflective of what's going on in our hearts. But one first step we can all take even today is to figure out in our schedules time that we can find solitude with God. Think about that with me. Is it in the morning before the kids wake up where you can make some good coffee, not crappy coffee, you need good coffee, okay? Because you want it to smell good, you want it to enjoy the aroma. Tea's fine if you love tea, that's okay. But is it a time where you can actually just relax and be with God? You can either take a walk You can pray and reflect and meditate on scripture. Whenever it might be in your schedule, put it on the schedule. Think of it as your daily retreat with God. So that you can pause and pray, reflect, and meditate. So, and lastly, way we can um, persevere in faith together is by encouraging one another. We move 
we, we, we stay in solitude with God. We have our solitude with God, but we don't stay there. We move to community as well, where we get to encourage one another as long as it's called today, as, as the um, author writes, so that none of us may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know, I love it when I can call up a friend. Maybe I'm feeling somewhat disoriented or, uh, or just unclear of what's going on in my mind, and I could voice that or call a family member, and, and they can help me parse what, whatever is going on. But it required me to be vulnerable, to share what's happening in me. That way I can be encouraged, I could be edified. We need each other for this to happen. And, and I know it's difficult in a pandemic where, where you know, we're physically um, distant. It's difficult for that to happen, but we can call each other. We can meet up for coffee. Community has been, it is one of the pivotal ways we can actually persevere in trying times. And even for us as a church, um, some of you have been hearing about this. We are launching, that's why we want to launch disciple, discipleship pods as we continue to live through this season so that we can actually find uh, a true community, community where we're accountable to one another and grow in our faith in God so that we can actually find spaces of intimacy where we can be vulnerable and willing to confess our sins. We want to create those spaces where we can find the solitude with God and find encouragement in community. In the next coming weeks, you'll be hearing more about Discipleship Pods. Some of you have already heard about it, but we're hoping we are launching this in November, so join in the Hope Group as we continue in this season and consider and remember Jesus and, uh, and, and, and move forward and not allow our hearts to be hardened. And as we come together, perse persevering in faith, as God is with us. Amen. The worship team is going to lead us in a time of song and worship. Let's sing together.